Hey everyone. A few weeks ago, Josh had an interview with Cardinals top prospect Victor Scott II, and we wanted to share it with our viewers here at Newt News. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Redbird Rundown. I'm your host, Josh Jacobs, site expert over at Redbird Rants, and I'm joined today, very excited to be joined by Victor Scott II, an outfielder within the Cardinals organization. If you haven't heard of Victor already, you're going to be hearing of his name a lot over the next few months and years. Victor is drafted in the fifth round of the 2022 MLB draft and has already risen up to the AA level at Springfield across Peoria and Springfield this last year or this year he's slashing 298 372 410 with a 782 OPS four home runs 12 doubles nine triples 43 RBIs 68 stolen bases which I know we'll get into that as we go 65 runs scored and he's been better at the double a level this year actually with a 124 wrc plus so starting off victor i'd love to just talk about your journey as a cardinal so far you've only been in the organization for a little bit over a year and you're already tearing up double a so what has this journey been like so far um to kind of put it into words this journey's been unreal almost surreal it's kind of like the only thing i can put it as um i know it took a it took a lot Took a lot to get here for sure, though. It took a lot of people to help me get here. Um, but to to kind of put it all like in the pro ball, like well, especially coming from coming from West Virginia um, and getting drafted, that was an incredible feeling. I had uh, my girlfriend there, my mom and my dad there at the time, so it was pretty cool to share that moment with them. Um, got drafted, and then like the next three days, they sent us to um, the complex um, in Palm Beach. So we we practiced for about a week, and then. Hopped into games with Palm Beach. So that whole process is fun, kind of getting your first taste of pro ball, getting your feet wet. So that was uh that's pretty cool. So those guys who are now in that in that beginning of that journey, just I would just tell them that this part goes kind of fast. Um, and then before you know it, you're gonna be back at home during the offseason. Um, but I know for me, the offseason was like the biggest point of like work emphasis for me. So um I went to a few camps, two camps, um, in the off season, one in October and then one in December and got with uh, Russ Steinhorn, which is the hitting coordinator now. And then uh, Daniel, which is, he's like on the big league side now. And then um, looked a lot of like uh, blast motion information um, and kind of just took it from there. And then they gave me pieces to work on and, and how the swing should look and how it should feel and, what my goal needs to be as a leadoff guy. So um, I kind of took that just, just on like as like a homework. It's like almost like they gave me homework. Like like I was at school, so I went back home and then just worked continuously on just trying to to be that leadoff guy and to try to really you know work on my skills. So um, coming out of the off season, I then go to a step camp. Um, at the beginning or like in spring training. So it's a, you get, it's like a group of guys who get there, not when the big leaguers or not like the big league camp invitees go, but um, it's like a week after that. So you almost kind of get more like hands-on work for like the next like two weeks or so. And then that's when everyone else comes into camp. So that was a pretty cool feeling. I've never seen like them or I've seen that many people like in one setting, but that many like really, really good players in one setting. In one organization, it was pretty cool to see everybody running around in Cardinals uniforms, like with their pants on in the practice field, um, playing games, playing inner squads, you know, getting live ABs, doing work with uh, like Cheo or Luddy. Um, 
So seeing that was was super special to me. Um, and then kind of getting invited to like the big league games was, I remember like the first time I got the the text like that I was gonna go play in one. Um, it almost felt like I was getting like the like the big league call. Like hmm. I don't know how that feeling feels yet, of, of course, but if I had to guess, it would feel something like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. man, that was that was super interesting, man, because you're you're there with all like the big leaguers, and you kind of feel feel like you're you're a part a part of um like what they have going on. So um, that was pretty cool just to be on the bench in the, in the big league spring training game. And then also getting to talk to Willie McGee. I did that a lot. Um, kind of just sat there and talked to him about outfielding, about being a leadoff guy, about being a speed guy. So picked his brain about a lot of that thing, a lot of those um, aspects of the game. And then um, I remember it was like my first time getting in the game and then the bench coach came up to me. And he was like, Hey, Victor, you're going in for, I think he said, like, O'Neal. And I was like, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> I was sitting there, like, really trying to wrap my head. Because, I mean, I, I'm eating seeds. I'm chewing bubble gum. I'm just trying to feel like a big leaguer at this point. Because I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is a crazy opportunity. So I'm just going to try to soak it in as much as I can. And then um, he told me I was going in. I was like, oh, wow, this is really happening. <laughs> so I can't remember what I did in my first game. But I do know um, I ended up starting, like, one of those games, like, further in that week. And I ended up going like one for two or two walks and then seeing like Ali there, um, like after I scored, like giving me a fist pound. And that was crazy, just a crazy experience. Yeah. Um, and then kind of jumping into like the season, um, going to Peoria. Um, I was told that like at the end of spring training. But um, man, Peoria was a cool place. Uh, it was cold at first, but I mean, that's to be expected. <laughs> it's Illinois, so. Yeah, I'm from Bloomington, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then I, I, play, I played at West Virginia, so it's not like I wasn't used to playing in cold weather. Um, but um, it was pretty cool. I picked up a lot of things from PA and Casey Chenoweth um, and then made some pretty cool relationships with like those teammates like Jimmy Crooks and Nathan Church. Got to hang around those guys a lot. And Cooper Jerpy um, were all my roommates, and they actually taught me how to fish um, like using different like techniques of how to catch like different fish. It was crazy. Yeah. But um so then um in the same week that I got called up to double A, I got called for the futures game. Yes. So um we were playing the Quad City River Bandits in uh Davenport, Iowa. And um I remember I was like really struggling this week for some reason. So I, I think mm -hmm. a guy was kind of putting me through like the little like the mental ringer and like you know, there's mm -hmm. other things at the at the end of this tunnel. But um man, uh, it's like I was struggling and then I came in the next day on Wednesday and then I was told I was going to the futures game. So like that was I was already trying to wrap my head around that, calling my mom, a lot of people who got me there. I was calling everybody, yeah. but um trying to do in like a short time span because I had to get back on the field. Um, for practice and BP and whatnot. And then, um, so hearing that news, kind of continued playing throughout the week. It was kind of like scuffling still, just wasn't really seeing it well against them. And then at the end of the trip, I'm walking down the tunnel, uh, and Patrick Anderson, PA, he's walking with me. And I'm like, I'm like, man, PA, it's been a really rough week for me, man. Like, <laughs> I, mm. like I haven't struggled this much, like, since I've been here. Like, in a week, I haven't struggled like this. I was like, man, it's been difficult. And he was like, yeah, you just got to keep going. Then, then he calls me into the office and then Russ is in there. And then sure enough, they tell me I was going up to double A um, <laughs> next week. So we had like two days off and then I flew to Missouri, Springfield. And then um, that's when we went to 
Arkansas to go play the Travelers. So that was my first double-A experience. Double-A has been quite the experience. It's been fun, man. Seeing everybody compete at a high level is um, is always kind of like what I imagined. Yeah. Of course, this is not like where the train stops, but um, the goal is to, of course, get to the big leagues. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to see how everybody kind of goes about their their business and professionally just trying to kind of grow their game and develop as like their player and then how that all comes into like a team aspect. So um, it's definitely been quite an experience. And uh, that's all I could kind of say about it. It's been, been really fun for sure. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, before I, I want to jump more into the futures game and that experience for you, but I've got a couple of more fun questions we want to start off with. So I'm from around Peoria and one of our writers from, is from around Springfield. So we were wondering, what are your favorite places to eat? Or if you had to pick one spot in Peoria and Springfield, where would you be going? Okay, so Peoria, let's see, I didn't, I always like cooked for myself and then they, the team provided meals. But when I okay. did go eat, I was just kind of basic. Um, I just went to IHOP, man. I didn't, I didn't really like <laughs> go to anywhere super, super special or like go really tour, tour the town. I know I did okay. fish a lot in Peoria, so I did yeah. that a lot. And then I also like to bowl, so I nice. bowled a lot in Peoria. Um, but um, other than like with, with the eating spots, I didn't really find anywhere or discover anywhere like that was super good. I okay, kind of went to like the common spots. Um, in Springfield. Uh, I would say either First Watch or the Big Biscuit is like the two places I've been for like breakfast on an off day. Okay, they're really they're they're really good, really good spots. So um, yeah, yeah. So big breakfast guy, then I could tell I hop and then the breakfast spots. I like it. Yeah, love breakfast. So you mentioned fishing and bowling. So are those those two things you like to do outside of baseball, or is there anything else you would say that's kind of like if you got away from the game for a day, this is what you'd be doing? Yeah, um, actually, I have three three pretty prominent hobbies so one of which would be i like to make music um nice. i'm actually like a or I, I like rap so everything like i put on is like on like apple music or spotify okay where can we find you on there just Victor so, Scott uh, if you type in like argo a-r-g-o and then like right my wrongs then that's like the latest album i dropped so okay it's uh it's on there um pretty cool pretty cool thing that i, I kind of do like in my off time yeah, um, even like on bus trips, like I'll kind of just like sit there and like listen to a beat and and kind of like make a song for when I go back home and I'll end up probably pr- pushing that out too. Um, uh, let's see, bowling, bowling. I actually worked at a bowling alley in the off season, so okay. to make a little extra income. I know a lot of guys like they train kids, like they'll do that for income, but um, I was doing that as well as working at a bowling alley. So I would work there for five days a week for about eight hours, okay. and then um. It's kind of like kind of just grew on me because I always kind of worked there when I was little. Like my mm. dad was a security guard. He's a retired um, police officer now. So he mm. will go there for like an extra job, you know, his extra extra money. So I would go and basically just work there with him as he would be doing his security job. And then um, kind of coming back from the offseason, I was like, man, I need an extra, you know, source of income. So I worked mm. at a bowling alley. And then after hours, I would just sit there and, and bowl. And just kind of picked up yeah. really on how to on how to spin it and looking at the boards and looking at uh, oil patterns. It's just became pretty fun for me. And then the third hobby, fishing, I literally just picked up when I was in Peoria. Okay. Because Nathan Church and Jimmy and Cooper, super big fishermen. And one day mm-hmm. they all went to Bass Pro Shop and they're like, Vic, you want to come? And I was like, man, I'm I'm from the city. 
Like, <laughs> I was like, I like to bowl, play basketball. I was like, I, I'm from the city. And they were like, man, come on, man, get a fishing pole, man. I was like, all right, I get a fishing <laughs> pole. And then I ended up going out there and then church was teaching me like different, like how to cast and not just cast it and reel it in quick, but like how to make the, how to make the lure look real. So that became like pretty interesting to me. And then I, I started getting hooked onto it literally. So <laughs> yeah, it, was, it became pretty fun. That's awesome. All right. One more for you before we jump into more of the futures game stuff. Who are like some players that you watched or tried to emulate your game after growing up? So Andrew McCutcheon was like my biggest idol growing up, him and Stanley yeah. Marte. So my dad, he's from Pittsburgh. And okay. like that kind of like led me to be like a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, although I was like still like an Atlanta Braves fan. Mm. But um, I always just watched Andrew McCutcheon because he was like their center fielder back in the day. So yeah. I just sat there and just watched what he did every time he came on TV. Um, and then I had like the chance to, I don't know if he knew who I was, but um, I was at like an all-star game when I was in high school. I think I was probably like in the 10th grade and they were playing, Pittsburgh was playing the um, the Braves and I was able to like see him on the field in person. And I was like, man, like, I don't know if you know, but I really like the way you play and I'm trying to be you when I grow up. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, those are two, two guys who I, who I looked at a lot. Well, that's awesome. Those are two great players to be watching for sure. So you talked a little bit about the call and what it was like to hear that you're going to the futures game. What was that experience like being there and playing in the game? Um, so to kind of put the futures game into words, it was, it was a, it's a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of super, super good players in one spot. Hmm. Like, and then there's 25,000 or 30,000 fans there. So I've never played in front of that many people and I've never been around that many prospects. So it was kind of crazy to see how like different prospects interact with the media and like how they interact with fans and with signing things and autographing things. So it was uh, just kind of, just kind of cool to all take in. I was just trying to be as kind of mindful in that moment as possible, just try to take pictures and, and just kind of being there in that moment. Cause I knew as soon as I got on that plane back to Atlanta, I was going to be like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> yeah. Like what just happened? So um I know we 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 flew in and then they had like a lot of festivities for us. Um kind of like at the hotel where like baseball America was there, um mm. uh podcast was there, I know like MLB like social media team was there. We had like photo shoots, they had like it all laid out. So they really made you feel like like a superstar. And then plus other people walking around and you're seeing like agents and advisors and mm. seeing just a whole bunch of different companies like it's just a lot going on so um and then i also had the the opportunity to be like a part in the make a wish foundation mm. so it was me ryan bliss and kyron paris who were able to to go be a part of that so i thought that was pretty special um kind of being able to talk to those kids and kind of figuring out like their situations and how like they're overcoming their situations mm. which is which is always super super good that they have like a strong mindset because it just tells you you know maybe maybe it's not as bad as it seems some days because other people could be in a worse situation mm -hmm. than like we are so um i know in turn in the game the game was awesome we got to the field um talking to like harold Reynolds. i always mess up his last name reynolds <laughs> um <laughs> talking to him where he was like kind of giving us a presentation and then um Raul Abanez, I, I want to say, is like yeah. our coach. 
And then, like, seeing, like, Adrian Beltre, he was in there. Like, King Griffey Jr. was there. So, seeing, like, those guys, like, in the dugout and being able to, like, interact with them was amazing. And then kind of just seeing how every, like, prospect kind of held themselves within, like, the moment was pretty cool, too. Um, because I know, like, with those moments, it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's, like, a, it's, a, it's a big deal. So, kind of seeing how everybody composed themselves and maintained, like, their breath and kind of just went about their day as if it was like normal, although mm. it's definitely a big circumstance. So um, I know like in the game, I was told I was getting in for, um, I was going to hit for Pete Crow Armstrong, which is, he just got moved up to the Cubs uh, AAA team. But I was told I was getting in for him and I was going to hit for him. So I kind of just like, I was just sitting there chilling at first and it was like the fifth inning. And then I was like, all right, I need to get, I need to get going because I'm, I'm about to get in the game. And I don't want it to feel like I'm rushed or anything. Like, mm. like I'm trying to make this as normal as possible. So like I never really like turned around and, like looked into the stands because I was just like I need to be like tunnel vision on on the goal at hand. Yeah. And then um, I remember facing facing a guy from the Twins threw me a I think he threw me a changeup to start it off and then he went like threw me a fastball. That's the pitch I hit. And then I told myself I was like the only way I'm going to make a stamp on who my name is is by stealing, if not one but two bases. That's the only way I'm going to do it. So mm. um, definitely with with god's gift i had the ability to steal two bases to kind of make a name for myself in the essence um in front of in front of that type of crowd so that was yeah. that was pretty cool that is incredible so one of your springfield teammates tink hence was also at the game can you tell us a little bit about tink as a pitcher and what makes him so special yeah that dude that dude is electric man <laughs> yeah that, that's like a, the one word i can kind of put tink in is just He's a he's a really electric pitcher. He had like three plus plus real pitches that mm-hmm. he's that he's attacking hitters with, and he's controlling his own with. So when when you have that, it's just you already throw really really hard. So ninety six to eight nine, when you throw it hard already, and then you have like two other pitches that you're throwing off of that that are really good too. It makes it hard. It makes it really difficult for for a hitter to hit. So I would just say if I was the hitter. I would just say shorten up because he's got some he's got some good stuff. Um, but outside of baseball, he's a really good person, man. We um me and him actually have a pretty good connection because we'll go downstairs um at this apartment or yeah, these apartment complex. They have like a basketball gym in there and we'll just go shoot shoot around mm. for hours for some reason. Don't ask me why we do it, but <laughs> we just go shoot around um in our off time sometimes. So um, just being with him and then we were at Peoria, we were fishing together. So kind of like developing like that relationship has been pretty cool with that guy, man. He's an awesome dude. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I also saw that you got to have a conversation with Vince Coleman at the Futures game as well. So tell us more about that as he's the last, I mean, he sold over 100 bases three different times in his major league career, stolen base king. So obviously there's some connections there. What What all was that conversation like with Coleman? Right. So um, it was the night before the Futures game and it was like like midnight. Mm. And then um, one of my a guy in my agency, Paul, he texted me and said, uh, hey, Vince Coleman's down here. You want to talk to him? I hopped out of bed so fast. I can't I can't even <laughs> tell you what the time was on that. But uh, I know I was downstairs in like the next two minutes because I was like, this is an opportunity that cannot be passed up upon. Like this guy's got so much information. So many things, like especially being in the Cardinals organization too, and yeah. like doing the things that he did in the Cardinals organization was like even a better connection. So um, I talked to him just about like we talked a lot about getting like 
first steps and like really reading the pitchers. Um, so like even when it's not your time to hit or if say if I'm the leadoff guy and I, I make the last out of an inning, then I should be on that rail watching the pitcher's tendencies and trying to really gather something for my next at bat or for the mm-hmm. at bats to come. So we talked a lot about like reading tendencies, um, about like swing decisions as a leadoff guy, like what should you be swinging at, like how to give your team the best opportunity to to essentially win the game. I mean, because with like a guy like me, I'm not going to hit the ball, but I can run into one every now and then, but like that's not my, my goal is not to hit a home run. Like I'm supposed to get on base, steal bases, create, you know, havoc for the defense. And then in turn, the guy behind me gets a lot of fastballs because mm-hmm. the catcher is, I mean, it's just easier to catch a fastball, receive, get it out, get it to second base. And it's a faster pitch. Pitchers are slowing down or they're getting, they're speeding up to the plate. So instead of being like a one, three or one, four, now he's a one, one or a one Oh. So mm. that that's like my whole goal as like a leadoff is just get on base and cause as much disruption as possible. So um, we talked a lot about that. Um, and then also like how to get to 100 and then how to keep pushing. He was like, because essentially once you get to like a specific number, he was like, everybody knows who you are at that point in the whole ballpark knows you're going to steal. Yeah. So how do you steal bases with everyone knowing you're going to steal? And that's kind of like what we went over. And then like even now, like to present day. So like I know that was like in the beginning of July we still like kind of text back and forth and like, I'll send him some film and he kind of gives me feedback on like, okay, maybe you can look at this and maybe you can, I'm not going to say necessarily change this because obviously it's your career, but you can kind of look at this and, and try to make an adjustment here to get an even better step than you did mm-hmm. in this video. So um, having that, having that, um that connection with him is, is super special to me, both, both Vic and Vince names. So both V names is pretty cool yeah. too. So um, man, it's just awesome to have that awesome to have that correlation and connection with a guy who's been in the organization and who has done has had success in stealing bases as well. Yeah, that is incredible. So tell us more about like how do you prepare to steal a base now that every time you get on base, everyone knows you're probably gonna try and steal one. Like what what is going through your mind? What are the things you're watching for a pitcher? How do you, are you trying to man, not manipulate the rules but use the new rules to your advantage? What are some things that are going through your mind when you're trying to steal a base when you're in the 60s? Like people know you're going to. Yeah, it's um it's more or less just like picking your spots of when to run. So like sometimes I'll do like a fake steal. And just try to see, like, what the defense does hmm. in reaction to me stealing. So, like, who covers the bag is also important. Um, because if the second baseman doesn't get there in time, then he's trying to come. So, like, if I'm sliding in this way, he's going to come from this angle. So, normally the shortstop comes from that angle because he's yeah. always behind the bag and, like, that double play depth. Um, or just really, like, reading the picture as, as well, like, prior to. It's almost like doing your homework. Um, I always go like I know even at the past level I would go talk to PA and go watch film on the pitchers and go talk to Casey as well and then I know at this level I go talk to Jose um, Lahare and I just sit there and we, we talk about like is the pitcher really quick does he like is he a, is he, if he's a lefty is he reading the move is he like reading me go like what is his tendencies so I can mm. get the best jump possible because essentially once I'm once I'm gone and committed, then I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be safe. So I'm going to go in there as hard as I can at the back of the bag and just 
head first slide, just try to be safe at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned that 100 stolen base goal. I know you've mentioned in the past, you said it today. You're at 68 right now. I believe you have 41 games left to go in double A right now. Do you think you're going to reach the goal this year? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I have like a 10 game. Let's see, whatever, whatever, 100 minus 68 is not not good at quick math, <laughs> but um, whatever that is, I know it's not 41. So um, the goal now is just, just to try to steal one basic game and then okay. hopefully, hopefully I'll get there in the long run. And of course, if I can steal two or three and two thumbs up. So totally. Um, yeah, the goal is still to get to 100. But uh, of course, we'll kind of see how the, the season plays out. You know, if it's not in God's design order, then. Mm. Hey, so be it. We'll we'll get it next time. But the goal is yeah. definitely still hundred. Well, for listeners, uh, Victor is second all of minor league baseball and stolen bases. There's someone within the Rays organization that has like 80. So maybe you can catch up to him as you go through as well. Um, something I'd like to talk to you about is your approach at the plate as well. You talked about how you, you, you're going to run into a few home runs along the way, but for the most part, you stay within yourself as a hitter. I've seen some bunt singles from you. I see you hit the ball the other way. You have a low strikeout rate, high walk rate. Like, What is your approach at the plate looking like? Um, my approach at the plate is, is pretty much to just hunt my hot maps. So basically mm-hmm. what that means is what pitches am I good at hitting early in the count? And then, of course, when you get to two strikes, you kind of have to battle up at that point so yeah. it can be as short as possible. So I'm not like a big leg kick guy. I don't have like a lot of movements in my swing. I just try to be as simple as possible and try to just repeat putting the barrel on the ball. Sometimes I don't get the barrel to the ball and I still have like a good plane on my swing. So it helps me um, in that aspect to kind of drop one in, you know, before the outfielders and after the infielders. So it kind of helps me to do that sometimes. Hmm. Or um, my speed will play if I chop one and then I can really try to beat it out. But the whole the whole like kind of idea is just for me to drive, hit line drives. So if I can hit a line drive right in front of the outfielder, it's a win for me because that's my goal. And that's like kind of what the organization sees me as doing. Um, now, if it happens to if I catch it just a little bit more and then it gets in the gap. Now we're talking doubles and triples, which is also a super big component in my game. So. Um, I would just say the whole approach thing is just to try to a be like a leadoff guy, see pitches when needed to see it. But if it's in my hot map, I will swing. So that's why, like a lot of people are asking me, like, why are you so aggressive as a leadoff? A, I'm aggressive because it's a fastball in my hot map, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Or it's just a pitch that I can see myself handling. So that's kind of that's kind of like the approach, and just like to kind of put it into all in like into like a bowl It's basically just to hit a line drive back up the middle of the field. That's awesome. Well, yeah. something that kind of popped in my head as you were talking to is I don't know how many times you've stolen third this year, but I feel like that's something that people always kind of wonder, like what goes through a base stealer's mind. And like, when you decide to steal third of all bases, do you have a mentality behind that? Is it something the pitcher's doing situational? I'm sure it's a combination of the things, but what is it like for stealing seconds? One thing, but stealing thirds a little bit more difficult. What does that look like for you? So, so kind of like from the outside, the outside eye, stealing second seems easier. Hmm. Stealing third is actually the easiest. Interesting. Why would you say that? So stealing with stealing third, it's the pitcher is, um, I haven't heard of a pitcher who's really comfortable with picking off the second. Yeah, that's fair. And then it's, and then it's also hard. Like, like with me, I kind of like read moves. 
Mm. So like as you're picking up your foot, like I can tell if you're going to like inside move where you'll pick it up and then kind of like place that foot over the rubber and then try to get me that way or you'll do a turn because mm. normally you do some or pitchers kind of do something different. So a lot of pitchers are like creature habits. So like they'll, mm. they'll not necessarily like kind of repeat their movements or sorry, they'll repeat their movements. And then if they don't repeat their movements, something weird is going on. So, yeah. so sometimes guys will, um, on second, especially, um, there'll be like a one look or two look guy. So if the mound is this way and then the hmm. second base is this way, they'll look here and they'll look at you hmm. and then they'll boom. They Sometimes they like they turn as they're turning, they'll pick up and pitch or they'll lock back in on home plate and then they'll pitch. Hmm. So a lot of times they'll, they'll do things like that. So I kind of just am able to read. All right. So what is he doing? And by the way, it's like prior to. So I already know what he's doing before. I even get out there on the field. So when I happen to do get if I, if I have the chance to do get on second, then I know, okay. When he turns his head, like as he's turning his head, he's picking up his foot. So I can essentially just go as soon as he's doing this. Yeah. And then I end up getting a better jump than I would on first, because on first it's kind of like a, if you do it like that, it's it's like a real gamble. So like, Hmm. but normally I just go like when they pick up their foot, on first but there you can almost like vault and you can be totally safe wow that's super interesting to know so we'll be expecting to see you try to steal i guess second if you once you steal second third is pretty easy from there so we'll, we'll be watching for that for sure so something i think is really interesting is preseason you were ranked toward like the bottom 20s of most prospect lists it really depended on who you're looking at Baseball America has you up at number five in the Cardinals organization now. MLB.com hasn't re-upped their rankings yet, but surely you're going to rise up the rankings. So what do you think you've shown this year that's caught the eye of talent evaluators around the league? Um, consistency. Hmm. It's, it's, I would definitely say it's like hard to, to be consistent through like a long season, especially for someone who just came from college. Yeah. Um, but with like the kind of like with like my – my mind and like the mentality behind it is just like take it day by day. So I'm not looking mm-hmm. at it by months because months turns, it, it makes it seem really, really long. So I kind of just mm-hmm. take everything day by day and just try to get the most out of each day. So rather that be like having a conversation, like not even like on the baseball side, but like rather that mean like having a conversation with someone who I don't normally talk to or um, rather that be like doing something different in the cage or having a conversation with the hitting coordinator or not the hitting coordinator, but the hitting coach, um, just doing something different to try to get the most out of each day and try to build new connections. So that way it's not seeming as long of the season for me. Um, And then kind of just finding like a good routine. That's like been a a big component. And, um, and kind of, I guess my success is because I know now what my swing is doing. Cause I mean, all the work that I put in in the off season with like the, hitting coordinators and my, my hitting coach at home. Um, and even my bunning coach at home, I put mm. in a ton of work. So I think I should know it, like what I'm doing for the most part. Of course, there's still more development to be had, but uh, for the most part, I do know like what I'm doing in that aspect. So um, just kind of having like a routine that I can go by every day to kind of make the days kind of flow by instead of it being like a rocky like a rocky day where it's just like, man, this day is just taking forever. So yeah, 
Well, speaking of your development, you talked earlier about how you're not necessarily looking to run in or to hit some home runs or do stuff like that. Is there anything you're looking to add to your game as a player as you're progressing through the um, the levels? Or are you more focused on just getting really good at what you're good at and being the best version of who you are right now? Right. So it's kind of like a that's, a that's a good question. It's, it's you're trying to be like the best person or the best player that you are right now. So you're trying to still develop who you are. But you do, as you kind of progress, want to add different elements to your game that haven't been there before. So that kind of makes your push just a little bit greater. Um, But I know, like, one thing I really want to work on when I go back home is, uh, like, the strength at contact. So, Mm -hmm. like, how well am I powering through balls? Um, And then kind of, like, I know, like, how to do that because I was working on that a lot um, in Peoria with Casey Chenoweth. But – it's just that's going to be like the next step for me is just, all right, so these balls that you're just hitting in front of the outfielders, like how can we get that over their head for extra mm. base hits? Because it's still a line drive approach, but now the extra strength behind that will kind of get that ball to the wall or get that ball over the wall on a line, which is even more impressive. So that's kind of like the next step, I feel like, for my game. And of course, the speed will always be worked on, um, the power output as well. So that's definitely the next the next step. Yeah. I don't know how you could articulate this well, but if you can, that'd be great. I think fans get a little bit weary sometimes when they hear of like high contact hitters trying to develop power. They're like, oh, what are they doing? They're going to mess up their swing. They're going to ruin what they're good at. How do you continue to get better powering through the baseball, having that line drive approach, adding power to the game, but still getting on base at a high clip? So it's, just, it's the same swing, but kind of like developing more parts of your body that could make hmm. your your strength that impact stronger so i would say like hand strength is a big one wrist strength is also a big one forearm strength and then of course like still developing power like in your body as well so core legs that's super huge back strength um it's just developing that like i would say like i do not want to change my swing from where it is right now hmm. so I'm not going to try to now, all right, now that I got power, I need to try to lift the ball because that's not who I am. So I still want to try to hit those line drives, but like kind of working on those things in the off season and really putting in that, like that extra, extra time is going to help me kind of see those, see those benefits in the, in the long run of the next season to come. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, uh, as we're wrapping up a little bit, speaking on your behalf, I think it's crazy that fans and media don't talk about you more. Uh, I mean, you look at like a baseball America, they have you radio two plus plus tools with your speed and your fielding, which that alone makes you a valuable player going forward in center field. But then you're also at least above average in multiple other areas. They see you as a potential five tool player. What is it about your game that you think will help like the Cardinals, for example, at the big league level in the future, how do you see yourself helping teams win games as you progress in your career? So, so kind of like what I said before is just creating or getting on base and just creating havoc for like those guys behind me. So, like I said, like when I'm on base, normally they slide step and with slide steps, they throw fastballs mm-hmm. at this level at least. So I'm assuming they'll be a little bit better at like controlling the running game at the higher levels but um, at least they'll still get pitches in the zone to handle and then drive me in. Because essentially, if they hit a ball to the wall, my thought is going to be to score. Yeah. So then that helps them get their RBI count up. And then that also helps me get my run scored up. So it's kind of like a win-win. And now we're winning ball games because of the amount of 
runs that are being produced as well as on defense is just being able to communicate with like off outfielders and then also just the speed in general helps me get to get to the ball and then also help back up other off outfielders as well so that's kind of like what I bring to that yeah. what I'll bring to the table as I get to the upper levels for sure yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up, you also uh, you've told us you bring music to the table. So, what is it again? How can we find your music on? You said it was on Apple. It's um, it's Argo, A R G O, and then it's Right My Wrongs, like W R I T E, My Wrongs, and it should be a picture of like a lamp and a notepad, and then that's me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll give it a listen after this. Well, Victor. It was a pleasure to chat today. Seriously, thank you for your time. You're exactly the kind of player the Cardinal fans will fall in love with when you make it to St. Louis, and there's no doubt that you're on your way to doing that. Good luck with the rest of your season, the quest for 100 bases. I'm sure you're going to get there. Hopefully, we can talk again soon and possibly see you in St. Louis in the near future. Most definitely, most definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, this has been Redbird Rundown, your host, Josh Jacobs. Thanks again to Victor for being on, and I'll catch you next time. All right.